Alrighty. Well, one of the great uh, blessings and privileges in life, one of the great treasures and provisions that God offers will oftentimes come in the form of teachers uh, and mentors. Uh, And I'm blessed to have a few of those in my life. Uh, uh, An unexpected number of retired Episcopal priests uh, are in that number. Uh, It's still a wonder to me that that ended up being a relational connection since I'm a vineyard boy uh, and not an Episcopalian. But I remember sitting with Father David, one of my uh, mentors, a few years back, and he said, Todd, we've in our culture, we've got this upside-down vision of what the church, the ministry of the church is, is likely to look like. Um, he said, we have it in our head that we all go to church to benefit from the ministry of the pastors and the priests. But the fact of the matter is the clergy of the church, the pastors and the priests are here to empower the ministry of the congregation. 95% of what the church of Christ does in the world doesn't come from the priests or the pastors. It comes from each of you. Uh, and built into that, that weight of responsibility, that, that uh, invitation from God that you be the ones who step out into the world and do his work, uh, is this business of testimony. I think it's easy to underestimate the power and the impact of testimony. And whenever we have five weeks in a, in a month, uh, five Sundays in a month, we like to take some time to hear the testimony from members of our congregation. Uh, and I was reminded of a, of a passage from Revelation 12 uh, last night that I wanted to share with you about the power, the significance of testimony. So out of Revelation 12, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's a, it's a pretty significant thing when anything that we could do would be mentioned in the same breath as the blood of the lamb. That's pretty, that's pretty significant. So if you find yourself going through life thinking that your encounters with God, uh, your witnessing of his provision, his testimony, his, his faithfulness is a small thing, Don't undervalue or undersell the power of your testimony. So we want to have two members of our congregation come forward today and share some stories of what they've seen God up to in their life. Our beloved sister, Michelle Schurance. Michelle, come on up. Michelle is one of our beloved Sunday school teachers downstairs. You may not see her very often. She's down there with our our beloved children, but she said yes today to the invitation, and we deeply appreciate it. I'm sure many of you feel this inherently uh, intuitively, but every time I see a poll on the biggest fears in life, public speaking ends up being in the top three every single time, up there with like drowning. It's no small thing to stand up in front of a crowd, so we appreciate people who say yes to testify publicly. And we also have our brother, uh, Tony, and I'm gonna get this right, Stolzfus. Our beloved brother in Christ, Tony Stolzfus, will be sharing. If you want to come on up, Tony. Um, In addition to being a member of our congregation, Tony serves uh, our faith community and other faith communities uh, as a coach, coaching people along the journey. And so we're blessed to have them with us today. We're going to have them each share. uh, And then if time permits, we'll have an opportunity for a little uh, Q&A. And I'm going to start it off with Michelle. So here you are. I don't, I don't know if I can talk with a microphone because I talk with my whole hands, but that's okay. Um, so my name is Michelle Schurens, and I am a child of God. Amen. That's who I am. Um, and it all start. I'm 69 years ago. God 
placed me on the earth. And that wasn't a mistake. He did that on purpose. I wasn't an afterthought. Now, I'm telling you this because from this perspective, the journey is all obviously different. I felt, I felt all of those things. But that's for if you guys want to know more about me, you can come talk to me. My purpose here today is to, to say, come and see what God has done. That's why I'm here, to point to him. Um, not so much to me. But I have to, you know, I have to tell you some things about me, right, in order to do that. So he placed me on the earth, and I was not a mistake. And then jump ahead. I was probably 12 or 13 years old. I was born and raised in Hawaii when it was still a territory of the United States. I'm that old. And uh, one day when I was walking on the beach on the, in Kailua, and nobody was on the beach, just me. The, you know, the ocean goes out to the horizon. And the breeze, the breeze was blowing. And um, it was just, it was like, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So God revealed himself to me in that he, he was big, big. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know about Jesus. I didn't know anything, not being raised in the church, but. I just had this feeling of, I'm so tiny, and there's something really big, but not scary big, really good, big, all around me, you know, all around me. So that was my first encounter with what I could only call God, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, and then I jumped ahead again, so now I'm in high school, and it was, if any. But he has seen the Jesus Revolution movie. It was that time. And it, uh, the Jesus People movement just spread across Hawaii like crazy. And um, again, I didn't know what, anything about that, but I got invited to go to the mound. Uh, in high school, there was just this big lump that everybody went to. And they were, there was a, they were praising God, and I thought they were weird because they were jumping around and waving their hands and things. I'm like, that's kind of extreme. But then this young man came up to me. Well, he was old, <laughs> but now he's young. <laughs> came up to me, and he said, um, do you know Jesus? Do you know? And I go, well, I've seen pictures of him on the cross. But So he explained the gospel to me. And when he told me that Jesus died on the cross, so that our hearts could be made clean. All of the pieces of, of things fit together. And he asked me, do you want to receive Jesus as your savior? And I'm like, yeah, because I felt so ugly and dirty inside. And that's when he saved me. That's when he placed his spirit in me. And he began his work. And the way that I knew it was because I had a filthy mouth. <laughs> and it was a habit. I woke up the next morning and never, I didn't have to try to not, because I, I didn't know, I didn't know I had, I didn't know what I was supposed to aspire to or anything as a believer. I just knew that he had made me clean. And, and I woke up in the morning and I didn't have to try to not say bad words or cuss or, because it was a, bad. <laughs> and it was just gone. 
So I knew, I knew that he had changed me. I knew that he was real and that he had done something in me. Um, so then now we're going to speed ahead again. Now I'm married to the most wonderful guy. He's the best husband I ever had. So 19 years old when I got married. Um, he's not here today. Um, but we were living in Reading, and I came to know God as my healer. Um, driving past the fly shop, you all know where the fly shop is, right? I had had uh, some problem that that doctor said, we, we don't know what's wrong with you. We don't know why this is happening to you. We just don't know. So I'm driving past the fly shop. I had just gone grocery shopping. and didn't have any of the symptoms I normally have. And it just hit me at the fly shop. I'm going by, and God's presence came. He was in the back seat of my car. And you know when you read in the Bible about people falling down? I was so scared. It was not a scared like a terrified. Yeah, it was terrified. But it was not like um, scared run away kind of thing. It was like it was it was terrifying. It was fearful. But he spoke. And he said, I know what you're going through, and there will be an end. And so I had and then it was gone. He was gone. And I'm driving home going. So I thought I would be, I thought he knew what was wrong with me, and he would heal me. So that was my promise. And it was still another two years before he did. Um, and then it was really crazy. And if you want to know about that, I'll, you can ask me and I'll tell you. Um, but right now, we're just going to move ahead and just, because God's big. And each time, each of these major encounters that I had with him, he just keeps getting bigger. He just keeps getting bigger and more real and more trustworthy and more, just more, right? Okay, so we did that. Okay, so then we jump ahead again. By now I'm married, I have four kids. One of them is around 16 years old. She's been a handful her whole time, very independent, very rebellious, very... So she's 16, and she runs away from home. She creates stories that people believe, and she's gone and doesn't have any contact with us, very little, maybe once or twice. So my prayer was that, that God would bring her home, that he would reconcile with us, um, that she, he would bring, you know, that, that we would have contact with her. So because if something happened to my husband or me, she would live her whole life and never have that, that opportunity to um, know that we loved her. Anyway, so people in this church also were involved in praying with me for my daughter. Um, God answered the prayer for reconciliation and for that he would meet her where she is and she would know him. So 28 years later, just about what, four years ago, five years ago, something like that, um, my other, one of my other daughters told me that I could have her phone number because something had happened to her. So I'm sitting at Caldwell Park, 
waiting for our Sunday school meeting at Naomi Yates' house. And I thought, well, I've got 15 minutes. I'm going to call her. I didn't know what to say to her. But I called her, and the first words out of her mouth were, Mom, I know God is real. He's taking care of me. God, God is big, got bigger then, too. You know, he, his word, his promises are true. He is trustworthy. Um, and things are done in his time. It probably took him 28 years to pry my fingers off of wanting to control her or whatever. But God did that. God did that. He's amazing. And he's faithful. And he's trustworthy. And he just keeps getting bigger. All right. The next one was our women's retreat. Now, some of the ladies here went to this awesome retreat that God just took over. We were supposed to write the things, the secret things in our heart that we, the wrong, the things we believed about ourselves that weren't necessarily true. So what happened was, one person, I think we were all supposed to read them and throw them in, but one person stood up and started reading them off. I'm not smart enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. And then threw it in, right? The next person read theirs off. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not brave enough. The lies that I think there were 20 some ladies there. We all had the same, we were all believing the same lies. We were all keeping them tight to our heart and nobody knew. And we thought nobody else. You know, nobody else thought that, just, just me. So the enemy got punched in the nose that night. So God did that. God did that. God did that. God opened his, I don't know, his, his power and, and showed us that the lies of the enemy are all the same. We just keep them inside so nobody knows and we think that we're the only one that feels that way, but it's not true. So the enemy got a punch in the nose that night. That was big. God got bigger. Okay? And then, so that's true. The next one is, he's my deliverer. Um, I'll, if you want to know more, I'll tell you more later. But um, I ha walked in fear, even as a believer. I walked in fear and anxiety and uh, my whole life, I thought that's just how I was. You know, I mean, I thought that's just, I was always going to be at the back of the room or trying to hide or whatever. Um, so we, we felt compelled to go visit our parents and just love on them and tell them we love them. And, you know, so we took a trip. Now, taking a trip for me was bad. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I could, you know, it was just anxiety plus, 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 plus. We had to fly on an airplane. So every time I fly on an airplane, it's like the taking off and the landing, I think I'm gonna die. But um, this time we were going from San Diego to Arizona and I'm up in the plane. I couldn't sit with my husband, he was back someplace else, so I'm sitting on the plane. And we take off and I'm we're flying, and I'm like, 
feel bad. I don't feel sick. I don't feel shaky. I don't feel, af- I don't feel afraid. As soon as I thought that, it's like God just like, boom. He took it away. He, I, God did that. I didn't pray about it. I didn't ask him for it. God did that. He did that for me because he loves me. And he got bigger. He just keeps getting bigger. Okay? That, wasn't that, lo- that wasn't that long ago that that happened. <laughs> so it's wonderful being free. And I feel like, I feel like that's my journey and probably a lot of people's journey, you know, that our walk with the Lord is simply him snipping off the parts of us that he didn't really intend us to be as he brings us, you know, closer to the end of our journey. And we get to be with him. So um, I call that freedom. Freedom. Okay. So if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, Taste and see that he's good. And guess what? He's big, and he's going to get bigger. And for those of us who are like me that are getting older and freer, this is the scripture that I invite. Well, we all walk in it. We all know it. It's Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began that work in me We'll carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michelle. Are you, are you able to stay with us for the meal today? Will you be here? Okay, so uh, you heard the invitation. I wasn't going to foist it on her, but she invited you to come hear more. So find her downstairs with us uh, if you have any questions or want to hear more of that great story. All right, next, I would invite our brother Tony up. Thanks. So uh, I became a Christian when I was about 10. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I was a good Mennonite boy. And... uh, my parents took us to a concert, and the the group that was up front was singing "You've Been Left Behind." So I came home and asked my mom. You know, I got scared into the kingdom. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of a boring story. So I thought I'd tell you a different one. Um, <laughs> my life message is about meeting God in suffering. It's there's nothing that can happen to you that God won't make something beautiful out of. And you all have a life message. It's it's the place where God has most deeply met you, and it's the thing that you most deeply grasp about who he is. Like, Michelle, you talked a lot about how God is big. Maybe that's your life message. Um, mine is about meeting God in suffering. So what kind of life do you have to produce in you a life message that, about meeting God in suffering? Um, <laughs> not always fun. Uh, years ago... Kathy and I moved across the country. We were sort of stuck in this little town in Indiana, and we got an invitation from this guy who traveled and did church consulting and had a retreat center and stuff. Um, he offered Kathy a half-time job, so I left my job of 15 years, and we moved across the country to to be part of this ministry and live at this guy's retreat center. And it was in a little boonie town in in Virginia, close to the West Virginia border. You know, there was one stoplight in the whole county. Um, 
<laughs> the town had, I don't know, 300 people in it. So we're living in this little place, this little cloistered place with this couple. And a few weeks after we were there, maybe a couple months, he came to us and asked us for a loan. And it was just for a few months to tide him over. They knew we had sold our house when we came out. He managed to allude to the scripture about not withholding from your brother in need. So we loaned him our life savings, like 50 grand, and violated my own values. And don't do something like that. That was stupid. Um, <laughs> so months went by, and they didn't pay it back, and we didn't hear anything. And finally, it was a year and a half before I mustered up my courage to, to say, hey, what's going on here? And so they scrambled around and paid us 10000 and then another long period of silence. And in, in the meantime, this is one of the greatest growth times of my life spiritually. I'm traveling with this guy and doing church consulting with him and all kinds of stuff. I started a coaching organization with him and another guy. But there's this money thing. And when I finally mustered up the courage to really confront him about it, um, everything blew up. Um, we ended up leaving. They didn't speak to us for the last six weeks we were there. And our front doors are 25 feet apart, you know, at this retreat center. And we're not talking to each other. And I was his right-hand guy. So it was really ugly. Um, there was much more involved to it. You know, they wanted to roll the loan over into a down payment of a house. The house took two years longer to build than it was supposed to. Then it was going to cost 50% more. Than, it, it was just an utter mess. And this is the guy who prayed for me for the baptism of the Spirit, was my first pastor, was the most important mentor in my life. And we had to leave. So we did. Um... So I spent a year with a counselor after that trying to get to the bottom of why was I such a wimp? <laughs> why was I so easily? And, and finally, we got down to the bottom of it. It was because I believed that my destiny was dependent on his favor. Um, you know, my network was his, my contacts were his, my opportunities came from him. And I believed that if he wasn't on my side, then... I don't know what. I go back to obscurity in Indiana. And God spoke to me in that, you know, meeting with the counselor when we finally started praying through this, that my call is between him and me, and there's no man that can take my call away from me. Um, and that was a powerful moment, but the healing journey went on for a long time. It took about 10 years <laughs> to really process all of this. And the final event of it was, um, you know, it's 10 years down the road. I've started a whole other organization. One of the things we did in this ministry I was running is we rewrote people's stories from heaven's perspective. So they would come to a workshop, and we would interview everyone who came to the workshop beforehand about their worst experience in life. And for an hour, they would tell us the whole story. And then we would sit down and rewrite their story as it would look from heaven through Jesus' eyes and gave it back to them at the workshop. It was really powerful. So anyway, this counselor who worked with me is coming to one of our workshops. And I get to write his story. So in the interview, his 
worst experience was his father had a moral failure, and his fa- excuse me, his father was a pastor in a small town. And we always ask people, what's your biggest unanswered question? You know, if Jesus walked into the room and you could ask him one thing, what would you ask him? And his question was, like most people's, why? (laughs) You know, my dad, he was on the road to recovery after this failure, and then he had a heart attack and died, and he was never able to be restored. Why did that have to happen? And so the heaven story that I wrote for him was that, God takes, when you're called to something, none of us is going to finish everything we're supposed to do. But God takes the parts of your call that you don't finish and distributes them to people around you. (laughs) So that when you get to heaven, his word that goes forth from his mouth won't return to him void, but will accomplish the purpose that it went out for. And so my story for him was, when you get to heaven, you're going to be able to say to your dad, dad, you know, I know you've you fell and failed, but God gave part of your destiny to me. And this guy does inner healing with leaders all over the world. He's traveled to like five different continents (laughs) doing ministry to pastors and ministry leaders. So I said, you're going to get to say to your dad, you had this destiny, but God gave parts of it to me, and I finished it bigger than you ever dreamed. There's pastors all over the world that because of us, because of me, are going to fulfill their destinies. And here, share with me in the joy of your completed destiny. And in that moment, his dad is going to be everything he was called to be, sharing with his son in that destiny. And I thought, hey, that's a beautiful story. Um, (laughs) So I've got 20 more to write. So anyway, a few weeks later, this guy called me about something else, and it had been 10 years since this thing happened to this guy, and he mentioned that, and he said, where are you in your healing journey? And in that moment, God spoke to me, and he said, that story you wrote, that's your story. Because this guy, he's a better speaker than me, but he doesn't speak anymore. He's a better writer than me. I've written a dozen books, and he's written none. And if he hadn't betrayed me, his name would be on all the books I've written with me. (laughs) Um, We had a destiny that we were going to do together. And when I get to heaven, I get to go to him and say, (laughs) Doug, and I've taken this all over the world. I've sold a quarter of a million books. This has gone farther than either of us ever dreamed at that time. So here, (laughs) share with me in the fruit of our completed destiny. And in that moment, our relationship will be everything it was ever meant to be. Because we'll be in heaven together, sharing in the fruit of what God called us to do. So, that was the, the place where my heart finally became whole. And still, every so often, now I'll be doing something, and I'll think to myself, I'm doing this for us. I'm accomplishing this for us. And I'm going to get to share this with my friend in heaven, (laughs) even though I haven't spoken to him for 15 years. Um, Heaven has the power to make all things well. So there's no relationship in your life that's broken that heaven can't restore. 
There's no failure that you've made that heaven can't make whole. And all of you who believe in Jesus, when you get to heaven, will be able to enjoy the fruit of your fulfilled destiny because people around you will come to you and say, hey, <laughs> you did great things, but you missed this. But God gave it to me, and I did it. So let's share in that together. So that's what you have to look forward to you in heaven. That everything in your life will be made perfectly whole, perfectly well. And the people in your life you will be perfectly at peace with and perfectly loved. So that for me is an example of how God can take anything that happens in your life and make something beautiful out of it. Well, thank you, Tony. Um, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm inclined and I'm moved again to, to say um, some of the greatest ministry work, some of the greatest fruit that may come from our lives doesn't come in the form of dividing oceans in half or causing mountains to crumble. It comes in the form of a good word, a true word, in a timely moment. It comes in the form of the testimony that we share with others. I'm convinced that God is never doing one thing at a time. He always has many purposes for many people in anything that he does. And as evident in Tony's story and in Michelle's story, what he did for them in their lives was not just for them. It was also for every person who would benefit and be blessed by the story that they told. Con consider also that the New and the Old Testament, we have those. We have the Word of God because women and men through thousands of years of history were faithful to write down their story, were faithful to talk about where they saw God and what God did in their life. Consider how much of a blessing the Word of God has been to humanity. The Word of God is testimony. Testimony cannot be undervalued. And I hope that uh, as you head into the week, um, this week, you'll consider the things that God has done in your life and the people who he's put in your path and the possibility that what he's asking of you is not to solve world hunger or to solve the financial woes of every person you encounter, but to share the good news, to share the truth of a good word, to talk about what you've seen God do in your life. I, I think we have no idea how much of a blessing that might be in someone's life and what all God might do with that. So thank you again, Michelle and Tony, and feel free to look for them downstairs during the potluck. We're going to switch gears here now to communion. Uh, we do this each week as a family. We do this as Christ commanded his uh, disciples to remember him, uh, to honor him with this, and to be mindful of um, this sacrament, the, the, um, the representation of the body and the blood. Um, Pastor Sean is always careful to remind us that Jesus reached across the table and grabbed two simple elements, elements that rich people and poor people would have, bread and fruit, uh, or bread and wine, uh, and used the bread to represent his body, which would shortly have been broken for all humanity. And then he lifted up the wine and... Uh, presented it to us as his blood, which would be shed for our sins. And so we engage in this sacrament in memory of him and remembrance uh, of his love uh, as a testament to his uh, passion 
for us. So the way we do this is we come down the middle, uh, we'll grab a, a cracker each and dip it in the wine, and then we'll go out the outer aisles. We'll hold on to that until everybody's got theirs, uh, and then we partake as one family uh, together at the end. So please feel free to come to the Lord's table. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that you gave everything you have for our sake, Father God, that you as the prodigal father don't wait for us to reach the porch, God. You run out on the road to meet us as we turn towards you, Father God. We pray that you'd make this sacrament a blessing to us, God. Help us to better understand its meaning with every repetition, uh, Lord, with every remembrance of your son, Father God and to boldly declare, to testify to the world of the treasure of the truth that we found. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, if you would stand with me, I'd love to pray a blessing over you. And then again, we'll welcome you all downstairs uh, to partake in our potluck.
Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, uh, God, that it's just getting started. Bless us as we step out into the world to fellowship with our loved ones, our friends, our family, uh, to interact with those people who you have put in our path. Father, help us to love well and to speak boldly of the truth of who you are and who you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.